Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. Everybody, I'm Devin Wilkins, and this is Canadians in Old Time Radio. We have a jam-packed agenda tonight, so let's get right to it with an episode of Wayne and Schuster. I don't have a date for it, but it's called Comeback. Night and Christie's Bakers of Fine Biscuits for over 100 years present Wayne and Schuster. Yes, Christie's Makers of the Famous Premium Crackers, Rich Crackers, and Honey Graham Wafers present the Wayne and Schuster Show with lovely Terry Dale. Samuel Hersenhorn and his orchestra. Ed McNamara. Yours truly, Herb May. And starring Christie's Men of the Half Hour, Johnny Wayne and Frank Schuster. Thank you, Edmund Wolf. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Johnny Wayne. And as always, friends, we have some distinguished guests in our studio audience. In the balcony, we have the president of the Supreme Salami Company. He's the man in the fourth row with the string on top of his head. He's just swinging there. And downstairs in the front row, we have the man who's going to be headlining at the Canadian National Exhibition this year, your favorite cowboy star, Roy Rogers. Howdy, Roy. Howdy. <laughs> What do you know? He brought Dale Evans with him. <laughs> Happy trails to both of you. Say, John. Well, Trigger's here, too. Uh, it's me, Frank Schuster. Oh, Mr. Schuster, well, give me back my lump of sugar. Oh, sorry. How are you? Not bad. Look, I, I'd like to thank you for that very thoughtful Valentine's gift you sent me last Sunday. Oh, it wasn't much, Frank. Just a box of candies. Yeah, but my favorite kind, Smith Brothers. <laughs> Gee, I haven't coughed for a week. Well, I, I like that double picture of Hersenhorn on the box. That was nice. Yeah. That really sold me on it. Yes, I guess so. Did you like the card I enclosed? Oh, sure. What a pretty sentiment. I've got it here. Now, let's see. To Frank from his partner, John. <laughs> Frankie Schuster, you're my friend. You have talent without end. Ask any fan just what he thinks. He will say that Schuster is a droll fellow. <laughs> Pretty good, eh? Yeah, but it doesn't rhyme. If it did, you wouldn't be able to read it. <laughs> anyway, 
Hey, Johnny, how was the Valentine gift I sent you? Oh, it was lovely. Champion. Oh, good. That's a relief. I, I asked my mother to send something up to you. Uh, what was it? Oh, very interesting. It was a men's cologne. Men's cologne? Hmm, was it nice? Oh, yes. You've heard of that men's cologne called Old Leather? Yeah. Well, this smelled like the whole horse. <laughs> Well, Johnny, look, last week we received a lot of Valentines from our fans. I think we should acknowledge them. Good idea, Frank, and we'll do it musically, shall we? Mm-hmm. Now, how would you like to sing it? Vivace, Allegro, or Rubato? Have you got pistachio? <laughs> music, Sam. <laughs> Quickly! Valentine, Valentine. We'd like to thank you for the lovely valentines. They all were smarter from the bottom of our heart. We'd like to thank you for the lovely valentines. Yes, a lot of people were kind enough to drop a valentine card to Wayne and Schuster, and we'd like to read a few of them. Now, here's one from an admirer. It says, for you, a valentine surprise, flowers that will match your eyes. Please accept these valentines, a bunch of bloodshot dandelions. <laughs> Hey, Johnny, here's another Valentine. Yeah? Uh, this is from an undertaker. An undertaker? Yeah, listen to this. Roses are red, violets are blue, Wayne and Schuster, I love you. I think that there is no one greater, and I hope to dig you later. <laughs> Some Valentine, eh? Yes, it came in a nice box, too. Yeah. <laughs> Silver handles on it. <laughs> Say, here's an interesting one. Listen to this. Roses are gray, violets are gray, signed Colorblind Sadie. <laughs> colorblind Sadie. <laughs> colorblind roses are gray. <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> Look, John, there's one more here that's really touching. Now, just listen to this one. Yeah? The Wayne and Schuster fan club upon this happy day would like to send you greetings, and this is what we say. Our love and admiration is summed up in this line. We think there's no one greater. Won't you be our Valentine? Well. And it's signed by the entire membership. Johnny Wayne and Frank Schuster. <laughs> How sweet. We remembered. <laughs> Valentine. Valentine. We'd like to thank you for the lovely Valentine. They all were smart from the bottom of our heart. We'd like to thank you for the lovely Valentine. Hello, this is Herb May. You know, it seems as though children get more socially minded every year. This is the party month in our neighborhood, and our kids are always out these days. As for me, I just as soon sit by the fire with some hot cocoa and cheese and crackers. Sounds dull? Oh, wait till you hear about the cheese and crackers. The crackers are Christie's Ritz crackers. Gold and round and crisp with the ever-delicious nut-like flavor that's first on your list for good eating. The cheese can be your favorite, one or many kinds. Tangy old cheese or a creamy new one. One we use quite often is Edam cheese. As you probably know, it comes in a bright red rind. So we uh, scoop out the center and mash the cheese till it's smooth, adding enough dry white wine to make an easily spreading mixture. Then we refill the shell and store it in the refrigerator until our appetites get the best of us, which is often. Yes, with Christie's Ritz crackers and a bit of imagination, 
The quietest evening at home becomes an occasion at a moment's notice. Now, uh, do you wonder why we let the kids do the partying? Keep a box of Christie's Ritz in your kitchen, too. Remember, when you visit the grocer in your neighborhood, ask for Christie's. They're good. Yes, sir, that was Herb May, the big cheese in the cracker department. <laughs> and now here she is, our singing gal, Terry Dale. sung by Terry Dale. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue in a musical vein, shall we? Right now, I'd like to sing a medley of hit tunes from the motion picture, Julius Caesar. <laughs> My first number, California, Here I Come. <laughs> Sam. Hey, and... just a minute, John. Oh, yes, Frank. Look, some fella just delivered these boxing gloves. He said they're for you. Oh, the boxing gloves are here. Five. Well, what's the idea? Well, a little later on tonight, we're going to be doing a drama all about prize fighting. Oh? I'm going to play the part of Randy Wayne... An ex-fighter. You see, this play is all about pugilism. Uh, this play is all about whatchalism? Pugilism. Pew, pew. Well, if it's that bad, let's not do it. Right. Pugilism means boxing. Now, I want to go down to a gym with these gloves and get into the real atmosphere of the fight game so I can really play the part of the boxer. Oh, okay. I'll drive you down to the gym in the car. Oh, well, let's go. Ah, now look, Frank. Yeah. You've got a good part in the play, too. You're Whitey Schuster, my manager. 
Manager? Well, why should I play a manager? Well, because you look like a manager. I'm playing a boxer because I look like a boxer. Oh, I don't know. Don't you think I look like a boxer? No, you look more like an Airedale. Oh, come on. Hey, that horn took up a tone, eh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Frank, I'm really looking forward to doing this play. I've always wanted to do a... Frank, what are you doing? I'm reading. You're reading while you're driving the car? I always read when I'm driving downtown. What are you reading? Quick magazine. It doesn't cut off too much of the view. <laughs> That's fine. Don't you watch the traffic signals? Yeah, but once you've seen two or three, you've seen them all. <laughs> Give me that magazine. Oh, all right. Where's the gymnasium? Two blocks down. You make a left turn here. Left turn? Okay. What happened? I put out my hand to make a turn. I slapped the faces of five guys waiting in the safety zone. Here, take the magazine. You drive better while you read. Huh? It's just down the street. And watch that red light. What? Watch that red light. Why, what's it doing? Just watch it, will you? Oh, no, you went right through it. Oh, don't worry. Nothing will happen. Hey, what was that? Nothing happening. <laughs> Listen, they're playing our song. All right, all right. Pull over to the curb. All right, all right, young man. Let me see your license. What? I said, let me see your license. Well, I'll be frank with you, officer. We're not married. <laughs> Schuster, your driver's license. Oh, uh, here you are, officer. Uh, now, let me see. Your name is Prince, you're three years old, and you've got black spots in your tail. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's my dog's license. Uh, here, here's my driver's license. Oh. Well, that's more like it. Schuster. Frank's. Say, you're not the one on the radio. Well, that's right, and this is Johnny Wayne here. That's right, we're Wayne and Schuster. Well, 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 I've listened to you boys for years. That's a very funny program. Well, thank you, officer. I mean it. I get a lot of laughs out of that show. Hey, well, maybe you'd like to see the show some night. You mean I can see you in person? Well, certainly. Here's a ticket for you. Well, thank you. And here's a ticket for you. Oh, no! <laughs> Francis Curtain time again for another dramatic offering from the Wayne and Schuster Little Players. Tonight's drama is a story of the prize ring, the thrilled pack saga of an ex-fighter and his return to the ring. Come with us behind the scenes of the fight game as we present Come Back. My name is Randy Wade. I'm a fighter. I used to be a pretty good boy. Before I retired, I had a perfect record. 101 fights and 101 KOs. I got knocked out every time. 
But I'm going to make a comeback or my name ain't Randy Wayne. My name is Whitey Schuster. I'm a fight manager. I handle Randy Wayne from the time he was a young kid to the time he retired. And when he quit the ring a few years ago, I was happy because I didn't want him to get like most people in this racket. You know, hearing bells all the time. Excuse me, there's the phone. I got to answer it. My name is Tony Bajigalupi. I run a barbershop down at Queen Street. I got nothing to do with this show, but if you ever need a haircut, look me up. Yes, this is the story of a comeback. And it all began one hot summer afternoon in the office of Whitey Schuster, fight manager. Hello, Whitey Schuster speaking. Oh, hello, kid. Nice fight last night. Yeah, you knocked him out. Well, you did what I told you. That condensed milk works all the time. Just remember what I told you. Before every fight, take two cans of condensed milk. Put one in each glove. <laughs> yeah, so long. Come in. Oh, uh, uh, Whitey Schuster? Yeah, who are you? Hey, don't you remember me, Whitey? I'm Randy Wayne. Randy Wayne? Yeah, don't you remember me, the boxer? Oh, yeah, Randy. I didn't recognize you standing up. <laughs> hey, your face looks different. Yeah, yeah, I had my nose lifted. You can see my mouth now. <laughs> hey, well, what's on your mind, boy? Whitey, I want to get back in a fight game. I want you should handle me again. I need money. You need money? Why, when you retired from the ring, you had $20,000. What'd you do with it? Uh, I spent it. Spent it all? How? Well, I, I spent $10,000 on wine, women, and song. Yeah, well, what about the rest? Uh, the rest I spent foolishly. <laughs> well, gee, kid, I don't know about you fighting... This is a young man's racket. You're getting on. Yeah, I'm only 54. <laughs> yeah, but you can make money other ways. Uh, what ways? Well, you could become a wrestler. Uh, I thought of that, but I'd rather go straight. <laughs> look, look, Randy, how can you go in the ring again? You're getting old. Nah, nah, nobody would guess. Look, you can't fool people just because you dyed your beard. <laughs> I, I didn't dye it. I just touched it up a little. Well, have you done any fighting lately? Uh, only with my wife. <laughs> with your wife? Yeah, but if I lick her, I get a crack at the old lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she hits all right, but no science. No science. No science. Yeah. No, no. Now, listen to me, Randy. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Putting you in the ring would be murder. You better forget about Why it. Why do you? I'm desperate. I'm asking you, please. I'll, I'll get down on my knees. Now, look. Wait a minute. The other knee. Yeah. Now, listen to me. Get up. Yeah, no, boy. I'm waiting for an eight count. <laughs> That's mandatory, you know. Never mind. Get up. Oh, all right. Yeah. Boy, you need an oil job. What? Now, look. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to give you a chance. You will? Yes, sir. Maybe I'm a softie, but I'm going to start you off on a comeback trail. Oh, boy. Have a look. You gotta follow my training rules. Okay. No more staying up late. No more staying up late. No more smoking. No more smoking. No more drinking. No more drinking. No more women. No more drinking. <laughs> no more women. 
No more smoking? No more women. No more staying up late? No more women. All right. Now, the first thing you got to do is go into that gym and start punching a bag. Uh-uh. What's the matter? Remember what you said. No more women. Oh, no. <laughs> And so the training begins. It's an uphill fight for Randy Wayne, the ex-fighter, to get back into shape. But Whitey Schuster is always there cracking the whip. First, there's exercise. All right, Randy, down on the floor, we'll do some push-ups. Okay. All right, here we go. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter? I'm still trying to get up. <laughs> On the training continues. There's road work. There's rope skipping. And for general conditioning, there's shadow boxing. Okay, Randy, I want to see you do a little shadow boxing. Okay, Whitey, here I go. Uh, you've been eating salami again. <laughs> now, look, all right, let's go. Box that shadow. Okay. Ooh! What happened? Dirty shadow, he fouled me. <laughs> Weeks go by as the training intensifies until finally one day, a new man walks into Whitey's office. His shoulders are square, his chest is out, his muscles ripple. He is a picture of glowing health, and he speaks. My name is Tony Bacigalupi. If you ever need a haircut, look at me up. Will you get out of here? Come in. Um, uh, looking for, uh... Whitey Schuster. You found him. Who are you? Uh, my name's Doc May. I'm a fight promoter. I got a fight for you, boy, if he's ready. I'll let you talk to him. Hey, Randy. Ah, uh, did you call me? Yeah, this is Doc May, fight promoter. Uh, what's up, Doc? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, what weight uh, division are you in? Uh, you heavy or uh, light heavy? Uh, I'm a chicken featherweight. <laughs> a chicken featherweight? What's that? That's a middleweight that's yellow. <laughs> that middleweight that's yellow. <laughs> Stretcher. Well, uh, tell you what, I got a bout for you tomorrow night with uh, Slugger Rappaport. Ten rounds, uh, winner take all. Winner take all, eh? How much? Fifty pounds of Christie's Delicious Dessert Biscuits. Christie's Delicious Dessert Biscuits? Yeah, a variety of fine biscuits made by the Christie Brown Company. There's uh, Oreo cream sandwiches, chocolate-flavored and wonderful. Uh-huh. Delicious uh, raisin-filled Christie's Sultanas. Yeah. And there's uh, coconut-flavored cookies with cream filling. Uh, they're called Christie's Cremo. Yeah. And there's uh, Fig Newtons and Lemon Puffs and uh, Christie's Ginger Crisp Pantry Cookies. And that's all for you if you win. Yeah, how you like that? Joe Lewis is the brown bomber, and, and I'm the Christie brown bomber. <laughs> well, uh, do you want to fight? Sure. All right, I'll drop the contracts. Oh, yeah, there's, uh, there's just one more thing. Yeah, what's that? Uh, remember, when it comes to biscuits, there's never a fight. Just say Christie's. That's right. Doc May, and now back to our drama of the fight ring, chapter two of Comeback. It is a few months later when we meet Randy Wayne again, 
And this wily old ring veteran has been punching his way slowly but surely back to the top. Until finally one day, Whitey calls him into his office. Ah, uh, you wanted me, Whitey? Yeah, Randy, I got big news for you. So far, your comeback has been a big success. You've had 22 fights and you win them all. Yeah, uh, 22 and a half fights. 22 and a half? Yeah, you're forgetting that midget in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Anyway, you fought all the leading contenders. Rocky Elliott, Rocky Gonzalez, Rocky Horler, Rocky Schwartz, and Rocky Lavelli. And now you're going to meet the champ. The champ? Yeah, Rocky Rocky. <laughs> Gee, a chance at the title. This is what I dreamed of. I'm going to be a champ. Champion of the world. <laughs> and this time I ain't going to blow my toe like before. I'm smart now. a boy. No more pink Cadillacs with blondes in them. No? No, sir. From now on, chartreuse with redheads. <laughs> now, Randy, from now on, you got to bear down for that title bout. It's a big thing. Yeah, well, oh, I... come in. I, uh, which one of you guys is Randy Wayne? Yeah, I'm Randy. Yeah, this is my manager. Oh, well, my name is Silky Spumoni, and I want to talk a deal with you boys. Silky Spumoni. Hey, wait a minute. You're the racketeer. Oh, you're the biggest rat in the country. You're a no-good conniving crook. Ooh, when you say that, you make me feel good all over. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you want, Silky? I'll be very brief. I got a hundred grand riding on the champ. And if Randy here loses, this ten grand is his. Well, what are you trying to do, bribe me? Randy Wayne, the idol of the kids? Hey, Randy, why are you taking your boxing gloves off? I have to. I can't count the money with them on. Now, wait a minute. You stop that. That's dirty money. I'll wash it. I don't mean that. Oh. Now, Silky, take your money and get out. We don't make deals with hoodlums. Listen, Whitey, don't push me around. Don't forget what happened to Slugger Riley. He wouldn't play ball with me, and he wound up in a cement mixer. Yeah, that poor slugger. He lived hard, and he died hard. <laughs> yeah. He was his own headstone. What? Now, what do you say? I say nothing doing. All right, I'm warning you, Whitey. Your boy better take a dive or something's gonna happen to him. He's taking no dive. Nah, nah, nah. Get lost, Silky. Okay. I'm going. But just one more thing. Do you wear earrings? Earrings? No. Well, if you ever do, now you won't have to have your ears pierced. So long. Yeah. Big shot racketeer. If he's trying to scare me, let me tell you one thing. Yeah? It worked. Goodbye. Wait a minute. Now, come on. We're going to start training. Okay. Let's go. And so the training continued until the big night of the fight. And what a night that was. The gardens was jammed to capacity. And Randy Wayne, gallant old Randy Wayne, was the sentimental favorite. Could this grizzled old veteran come back? Well, this is it, Randy. Gallant old Randy. Oh, gallant old Randy, yeah. Now, we want you to get in there and fight. Yeah, yeah, but well, what about Silky Spavoni? He's in the front row. I don't like that bulge in his coat. Now, forget about him. Just fight. Now, put in your mouthpiece. Okay. Wait a minute. Where'd you get that mouthpiece? Uh, for my brother. He plays trumpet for Mark Kenny. <laughs> oh, no. Wait a minute. All right. Now, get in there. Okay. And 
so the fight began. First round, they fell each other up. The second round, they started hitting. The third, fourth, and fifth, it was all Rockies. And then in the sixth round, the champ was in trouble. A hard right, another right and a left. The champ was down. Seven, eight, nine, ten. The winner and new champion of the world, Randy Wade. I made it. I came back. I'm the new chap. Randy. Randy, how are you, Randy? Yeah, he got me, Whitey. A dirty hoodlum said he got me and he did. Yeah, but you'll be all right again. I know, but look at my hands. Two of the bullets got me in the hands. I'll never be a boxer again. Yeah, tough luck, kid. Yeah. Tell me, Whitey, where the other bullets get me? Well... Come on. Give it to me straight. Well, all right. You'll never be a jockey, either. Oh, no! Only from long years of experience in biscuit making, only from bakeries that are superbly modern, could there come so many delicious treats as you find in Christie's famous line of sweet biscuits. There's Christie's Oreo Cream Sandwich, for instance. A fine vanilla buttercream between biscuits of a deep, full chocolate flavor. There's a biscuit to please everybody. A biscuit fit for a party. When you do your weekend shopping... Be sure to ask your grocer for delicious Christie's Oreo Cream Sandwich. Well, Frank, uh, another show over. Yes, John. Hey, here, give me your script. I'll put it in the car. Okay. Hey, what's this? I found it with your script. Oh, this Frank. Oh, it's a very important letter from the Red Cross. About a wonderful new discovery, gamma globulin. Gamma who? Gamma globulin. Yeah, I know it sounds like a man from Mars, but gamma globulin is the greatest discovery as yet in the fight against polio. No kidding. Well, where can you buy this stuff? Well, that's the point. Uh, you don't buy it. Gamma globulin is produced from blood, and the Red Cross hopes it's uh, going to be produced from the blood donations of 150,000 Canadians. Follow me? Yeah. Say, could I give my blood? Yeah. They'd even take your blood, Frank. <laughs> well, well, tell me, how do you go about it? Well, you just call up your local Red Cross and make an appointment, and that's all there is to it. Hmm, and the Red Cross needs 150,000 blood donations. That's right. Hey, Frank, I got an idea. Yeah? Let's remember to announce this on our program next week, eh? Oh, okay. Hey, what's that stuff again? Uh, gamma globulin. It helps fight polio. Oh, good night, John. Good night, Frank. This is the Trans-Canada Network of the CBC. Next, we have an episode of This Is Your FBI from November 29th, 1946, featuring Quebec-born Stacy Harris. It's called Murder in the Jury Box. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This is Your FBI. 
This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Tonight's FBI file, Danger in the Jury Box. Noah Webster, in his dictionary, defines the word criminal as one who has committed a crime. He further defines the word crime as an act or omission, forbidden by law and punishable upon conviction. But those definitions, we feel, do not go far enough. Whether he is one of the war criminals who recently died at Nuremberg, or a petty thief who was convicted in your hometown for snatching a lady's handbag, the criminal all over the world has one common characteristic. He cannot be happy unless he's running something. He must be Mr. Big, even if he's stealing pennies. That is the criminal. He is the cancer in the body of the American nation today. Tonight's file opens in the comfortable dining room of a suburban home occupied by Tom Harris and his daughter Joyce. They're finishing dinner when Joyce breaks the silence. How'd you like dinner, Pop? Oh, fine, fine. You said this morning you didn't know what you wanted, so I took a chance on lamb chop. Well, they were very good. Oh, and, uh, Joyce. Yes, Pop? Uh, you're going to get yourself married soon, so let me give you some advice. What's that? When a man finishes breakfast, he doesn't know what he wants to eat for dinner that night. <laughs> okay, I'll remember. Have some more coffee? All right, just a swallow. Oh, that's, a, that's enough. All right, Pop. Oh, thanks, dear. Uh, I'm kind of tired tonight. Mm, you look tired. Very busy at the office today? Yes, I cleaned up my desk so I wouldn't have anything to worry about while I'm serving on the jury. When does the trial start? Well, I reported for jury duty this afternoon, and right off the bat, they picked me to serve in a case tomorrow. I guess it's going to be tough staying away from the office, isn't it? Yes, but after all, I'm a citizen and I want good government. Serving on juries is part of my duty. You know, you're a very wonderful pop to have. Thanks. <laughs> well, I think I'll run down to the corner for a paper. See what's going on in the world. Okay. I'll clean up while you're gone. Good. See you later. Hey, you. Hey, you, come here. Me? Yeah, you. Is your name Thomas J. Harris? Yes, that's right. Okay, you're the guy. Get in here next to me. But I'm going down the corner. Now look, mister, let's don't fight. You see this thing? Why, it's a gun. That's right. Now do what I say. Come on, get in the car. Hey, 
center of that same city, even as Mr. Harris was being carried off, Special Agent Jim Taylor is reporting to the FBI field office. As he enters... Well, hello, Jim. Hello, Mike. What are you doing out here? I came out to testify in that Paul Scott case. The Paul Scott case? That's right. Scott goes on trial here tomorrow for stealing automobiles and carrying them across the state line from here to Illinois. You here as a witness? Mm Mm-hmm. Prosecuting attorney thought he might need me. I made the arrest about three months ago. Oh, well, that's why I didn't know about the case. Well, that's right. You were in the uh, Salt Lake City office then, weren't you? That's right. Who is this Paul Scott? He was the brains behind the operation. They stole cars in about ten states. Yeah? How'd you make the collar? Well, I got a tip that he was eating at a place over on Market Street. I went over. There he was, and I brought him in. Well, that easy, huh? Easy as that. They set the bail at 100000 and he couldn't raise it. Oh, I remember the case. Now that you mention that 100000 sure. Say, what was the nickname the papers pinned on Scott? The Blade. Oh, yeah. There was a knife on him with a six-inch blade when I arrested him. Yeah. Sounds like a nice chum to go on a cruise with. Well, I don't think Mr. Scott will be taking many cruises when this trial is over. Good. Oh, you go ahead, Mark. Finish that report you're working on. I've got some people to see downtown. Can you tell me why I'm blindfolded? So you can't see where you're going? But what is this all about? Look, mister, I can't talk to you about it. Are we going to meet somebody? Yeah. When? Real soon. Can you tell me... I can't tell you nothing. Now shut up. Okay, mister. We're going to pick up the boss. When? Right now. Hello, boss. Hello, John. This the right guy? Yeah, this is Mr. Thomas J. Harris. Ain't you? That's right. Now, can you tell me what this is all about? Yeah, I'll tell you. That's fine. You're on the jury in the Paul Scott case, Mr. Harris. I am. I'm a friend of Paul Scott, and I want to make a deal with him. Deal? Yeah. If you see to it that Scott beats this rap, there's five G's in it for your end. You mean you... I mean I want you to see to it that Scott is found not guilty by that jury. But I'm only one man. I Yeah, but you can swing some other votes once you get into that jury room. And there's... Five thousand in it for you. But I can't. Look, Mr. I... Harris, I know this is kind of sudden. Don't give me an answer now. When do you have to know? Joe will call you up later on tonight at your house. And, uh, remember one thing. What's that? It ain't gonna be a healthy world for you if you don't go along with us. Think that over, Mr. Harris. Think it over. Don't get too excited, Joyce. It's it's nothing. Nothing? You get picked up and your eyes are taped and it's nothing? I'm going to call the police. Sit down, dear. I don't want you to call anyone. But, Pop, you can't go through with it. Well, don't think I want to. Are they going to come here later? No. One of them is going to call on the telephone. All right. When the phone rings, we'll just let it ring. Promise me you won't answer it. But, Joyce, I'm afraid to think what they'll do. They're dangerous men. Then you've got to call the police. If I called the police, I couldn't tell them who to arrest. Why not? I saw the one who picked me up outside, but I never saw the other one, the boss. And even so, even if they arrested both of them, 
The gang is bigger than that. Somebody would... Well, somebody might try to kill me. But you could get police protection. For the rest of my life? I wouldn't want that. Let it ring, Pop. Let it ring. Come in. Hello, Jim. Hello, Mac. Thought I wasn't going to see you till tomorrow night. Can't you stand being away from the office? I came back here to go to work. Work? You want to start at this hour on what? Mark, when I left here, I went down to police headquarters. I've picked up a very interesting rumor. About the Scott case? That's right. There may be some tampering going on with the jury that was picked for that case this afternoon. Oh. How do they figure? Well, it seems that Scott has been bragging to some of the others around the jail that everything is in the bag for him to get an acquittal. And one of them talked? That's it. One of Scott's cellmates told a trustee, and he told the warden. And the warden called police headquarters? Right. Yeah. What do we do now? Well, the first thing to do is get a list of the jurors who were chosen this afternoon. Okay. When we get that list, we'll take the matter up with the prosecuting attorney and the judge. And I guess they'll want us to go down and have a talk with them one by one. That'd be my guess. Come on, let's get moving. How long has it been now, Pop? Since the phone rang? Uh-huh. About an hour. Why? Well, maybe it worked. Maybe they think you're not at home. Yes, maybe. Why don't you go up and go to bed, Pop? Uh, I, I think I will. I, I don't know if I'll be able to sleep, but... What do you think? Yes, it's probably them. Don't answer the door. Well, Joyce, if they've come this far, they're not going away that easy. I'll get it. Hello, Mr. Harris. Why didn't you answer the phone, Mr. Harris? Well, I thought maybe you... He didn't answer the phone because he's not going to take your bride. Where did you come from? Out of the woodwork? That's my daughter, Joyce. Tell her to mind her own business. What my father does is my business. Look, Mr. Harris, I came over here to talk to you. Do we need this broad? Joyce, please go back into the kitchen. No, Pop. I'm going to stay here. Well, if you stay here, shut up. Now, mister, I ain't got time to be spending all night here. What's the word? I don't see how I can do what you ask. You mean you ain't gonna play ball with us? I don't... Now, wait. Wait a minute. Before you make up your mind, I got something to tell you. What is it? The boss said to tell you, if you said no, that he'd raise the ante to 10,000 bucks. $10,000? That's right. Now, that's a lot of cabbage, mister, just for a couple of days' work. You can go back and tell the boss that I'm not for sale. What? You heard him. He's not for sale. Now get out before I call the police. Before you what? Before I call the police. Ladies, stay away from that phone. I said drop that phone and I meant it. Say, that's my daughter. You... I know it's your daughter, mister, but she was going to call the cops. Now look, I'm going to let you loose, but don't try anything. Joyce. Joyce, dear. She'll be all right. She was only knocked out for a little while. Get out of here. You mean your answer is still no? That's right. Okay. I got some news for you. I'm taking your daughter with me and keeping her until you decide to vote the right way. Oh, no, you're not. No. We will re- 
return in just a moment to tonight's file, which shows how your FBI promotes national security. And now back to the FBI file, Danger in the Jury Box. Many of you who listen to these programs taken from the files of your FBI regard the crime wave as something that is foreign to your particular person, as something that is happening to someone else. Pick up your local newspaper tonight, though, and look at the headlines. Three bandits escape after gem robbery. Grand jury probes election murder. Two rob liquor store. Police hunt missing co-ed, gunmen kill hold-up victim and fight. Those are ordinary headlines in everyday's papers. Those crimes may be happening to strangers, but they are not happening to strange people. They're happening to people every day. To people like you. Tonight's file continues in the living room of the Harris home. Special Agents Jim Taylor and Mark Jackson are questioning Mr. Harris about the events of an hour earlier. And you say the man who abducted your daughter is the same man who... Yes. It was the same man who drove me away after dinner. I see. You don't know his name, of course. My boss called him Joe one time. Oh? I said it might have been just to throw you off. Maybe. Uh... You don't by any chance remember hearing any peculiar sounds while you were on the ride with Joe, do you, Mr. Harris? No, I don't. Uh, I was so puzzled about the whole thing. Yeah. And afraid that I wasn't particularly listening for anything. Well, I can understand that. You don't have to be ashamed of being afraid, Mr. Harris. No. I don't know anyone who likes having a gun stuck against his ribs. Now, let's get this straight, sir. You say Joe was about five feet ten inches tall. That's right. With light complexion and blonde hair. Correct. And he had a scar on his right cheek that slanted toward his ear. Yes. Well, that might be enough identification for us. Mr. Taylor, all I want is my daughter. I don't care about catching those gangsters. We'll do our very best to find both of them, Mr. Harris. You can depend on that. What shall I do tomorrow? Do you want me to go to court? Yes. You go to court just as if nothing had happened. We'll get word to the judge, and if he agrees, we'll get an adjournment of a few days. What good will that do? It'll give them a chance to get in touch with you again. And if they do... If they do, you tell them that you'll play ball with them. But... uh... That's just so that you can get your daughter back. Then we'll try to catch them when you've got nothing at stake. I see. In all kidnapping cases, Mr. Harris, the object of the FBI is to first ensure the safety of the victim. Then catch the kidnappers. I didn't know that. Now, we're going down to police headquarters and see if we can find a picture of the man you described for us as Joe. If we do, we'll be back here to see you. Who's there? It's me, Joe. Okay, wait a minute. All right, come on in. Here, boss. What did he say, Joe? He said no, but I got everything fixed up. He went for the 10000 No, but I snatched his daughter. You what? 
He snatched his daughter, and I, I told him we wouldn't bring her back until after he said okay. Holy chip! How stupid can you get? What do you mean? I thought that was real smart. You see, now he's got to help Paul beat the rap. Don't you ever read the papers, you ape? Don't get mad, boy. Sure, I, I read the papers. Did you see where three guys went to the chair last week back east on a snatch? Yeah, but this guy can't squawk, boss. Oh. Where is she, the girl? Over in my apartment. Where's that? 51 State Street. What floor you on? The apartment? Yes, yes. Well, it's in the cellar, and I got a gag. Is she blindfolded, too? Sure, boss. You don't think I'm that dumb. I won't answer that. Now, listen. And hear me good. I hear you good. I want you to go back to that apartment, pick up that girl, and take her back home. What? I got enough trouble trying to get the blade out of the jam he's in without getting into a jackpot myself. Now, go ahead and let her loose. Okay, boss. Whatever you say. Pick me up tomorrow morning. Now, we got to get out of town for a while. Oh, Mr. Taylor, Mr. Jackson, do you have any word about my daughter? No, not yet, but of course we sent out the alarm only about an hour ago. Oh, I've never spent an hour like this last one. I'm sure you haven't, Mr. Harris. Yes, sir, will you take a look at these three pictures and see if any one of them is Joe? No, not this one. Mm -hmm. Yes, th this last one. Th this is Joe. That's fine. Oh, I don't think I can stand much more of my... Mr. Harris, we'd like... Joyce! God, you're home. Are you all right? Yes. But how... How did you get here? That man brought me back. Dropped me on the corner. Oh, it's so good to have you home. Pop, who are these men? Oh, uh, this is Mr. Taylor Joyce and Mr. Jackson. They're, they're from the FBI. Oh, the FBI. That's wonderful. Yeah, maybe you'd better sit down, Miss Harris. All right. Thank you. I'm a little weak in the knees. Oh, my poor baby. Tell me, did they hurt you? No, Except when that Joe knocked me out while I was telephoning. Where did he take you, Miss Harris? I don't know, Mr. Taylor. I, I was blindfolded after we got into the car. You were conscious then? Yes. I guess the fresh air revived me. Oh, I see. Did you get to talk to the boss too, Miss Harris? No, I didn't. Joe took me to a place and then left. In a little while he came back and drove me home. He seemed very mad. Oh? Sounds like maybe the kidnapping was his own idea and the boss didn't like it. Yeah, it does. Jury tampering's one thing, kidnapping's another. Can you tell us anything about the place he took you to? Well, we, we rode for, I should say, 20 minutes. Well, that means you stayed within the city limits. Do you have any idea where you were when you got out? Well, we went down a flight of steps off the street. I see. Into a cellar? Yes. While I was down there, I could hear people talking when they walked over the grating in front. Could you hear what they were saying? Yes, there, there must have been a movie right near there. They were talking about the picture, the killers. The killers? That's a good picture. I saw it. Uh, tell me, what time was this? I guess about one o'clock. Did you hear anything else? Yes. There was an automobile smash-up almost in front of the building while I was there. I heard the crash, and in a little while I heard an ambulance arrive. Well, thank you, Miss Harris. That ought to be enough for us. Come on, Mark. We've got work to do. Here's that map you asked for, Jim. Oh, it's got the whole city laid out, block by block. Okay, let's get some pins. I got you. There's pins with different colored heads. Then we'll get police reports on all accidents between 1 and 2 this morning. Right. I'll check on all the movie houses that are playing the killers. Then we'll want the hospital records and ambulance calls between 1 and 2 from every hospital. Check. I'll arrange for that. 
We'll put a red pin in the map every place we find a movie house with the killers. A white pin where we find an auto crash, and a blue pin where we find an ambulance pickup. I'll make all the phone calls now. You get the hospital and police records. I'll find out about the movie houses. Seventh and Main. There it is. Yeah. Okay, that's the last of the movie houses pinned down. All right, here are the records from police headquarters, Jim. Right. Let's start on that. By the time we're through, maybe the hospital records will be here. Okay, you want to take this first cheat and I'll okay. work on the second? Let's keep going. We've got no time to spare. Is that the last pin on the hospital pickups? That's right, Jim. That's all. Good. Now, let's check this map. Okay. There's the place with all three pins together. Yes. Fifth and State Street. Okay, now let's find Joe. Who's that? Me, Joe. Oh. Okay, come on in. Hey, boss, how come the door ain't locked? Kids coming up in the drugstore at my breakfast. Oh. I'll be finished packing here in a minute. Hey, look, boss, when are we going to get out of here? As soon as I eat breakfast. That quick, huh? Sure. We got to get out of town. This heat gets off us. And, uh, speaking of heat, did you get rid of the girl? Yeah, yeah, I dropped her off near where she lives. Anybody see her? Nope, street was empty. Good. Uh, hey, boss, are, are we going to stay away a long time? No, just until we find out whether that guy Harris called the cops about his daughter. If we got no kidnapping rap against us, we can back. Oh, good. You see, I want to tell my girl... You tell your girl nothing. Don't tell anybody where we're going or why. You can tell her when we come back. Okay. Where is that kid with my breakfast? Now, listen. We finished packing. Let's get out of here. We can get some coffee on the road. All right. Don't move, either of you. Who are you? Who are these other people? If you insist on formal introductions, this is Mr. Harris. Maybe you didn't recognize him without any tape over his eyes. This is his daughter, Joyce. And this is Mark Jackson. We're both special agents of the FBI. Mr. Whiskers? That's us, Joe. Well, what brought you here? We pieced together Miss Harris's story, found out where Joe had taken her last night, and we waited outside Joe's place all night with Mr. Harris and his daughter. And when Joe came out this morning, we just followed him here. Why, you Stay where you are, Mr. Martin. Mr. Harris, close your eyes for a moment. All right, Mr. Martin. Ask Mr. Harris a question. Any question. I have nothing to say to Mr. Harris. Mr. Harris, is that the voice? Yes. That's the voice I heard when Joe brought me to talk to somebody. I'd know it anywhere. All right, Mr. Martin. You too, Joe. You were so interested in juries, we're going to give you a chance to face one. Herbert Martin and his hired thug, Joseph Wentworth, were tried separately and were both convicted. Wentworth was convicted of kidnapping and received a 20-year sentence. Herbert Martin was convicted of conspiring to bribe a federal juror and is now serving a long sentence in the penitentiary. This case was brought to you tonight from the files of your FBI to show with what thoroughness your FBI works on every case that falls within its jurisdiction. Not every case is solved easily. Not every case is solved quickly. But the record of your FBI proves that the most difficult cases are broken open because no clue is too small, no lead too improbable for the FBI to follow up. 
It is that painstaking care with the most minute detail that has brought your FBI the worldwide reputation it has. A reputation as invincible protectors of you, the American people. In just a moment, we'll tell you about next week's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. Next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Operation Roomba. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight's broadcast was directed by William M. Sweets. The music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis, and your narrator was Dean Carlton. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Milton Cross speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States will bring you another thrilling story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Operation Rumba, on This is Your FBI. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. That'll do it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking. <laughs>